Hey, you're listening to the Quarry Podcast. Get ready to be encouraged and uplifted with us today. But at the same time, I still don't take it lightly or take it for granted or expect to speak at summer camp. So thank you, Dr. Jacobs. Thank you, PJ. Thank you, Amzie, the people who said, yeah, put yourself on the roster. I appreciate the opportunity and your confidence in me. And I am excited to share with you guys this morning. Am I ever not excited at summer camp? I'm going to slow down, though. That's what I'm doing. I'm walking slowly. This slows my breath. It slows my words so that you can understand what I'm saying. (laughs) Welcome to our Monday morning session. My name is Morgan Jacobs. I love summer camp. I've been coming to about 18 of them, I think. It's a lot of fun. The showers are my least favorite part. You guys are my most favorite part. So if you want the highs and lows of summer camp, there's many highs. There's a couple lows, just a few. It's no biggie. But I am excited to minister to you this morning. And my message today is called Here as in Heaven. Here as in Heaven. There's one thing I need you to say before we get started, and it's not drugs. I need you to say, Morgan loves me. She really loves me. Okay, just put that in your back pocket, and if you feel like you need it any time during this message, whip it out. Morgan loves me. She really loves me, because I do. And today, on this topic of living life on earth as we will in heaven, I want to talk about sin in the life of a Christian. Sin in the life of a Christian. And I want to make a distinction up front. I'm not talking just about the mistakes that we make because we all sin, right? We all pop off at times. We all have a bad attitude. We all make mistakes, okay? So I'm not talking about your random mistakes and your random little slip-ups and and the things that happened that were accidents, but I'm talking really from a place of concern and having a grieved heart toward Christians who invite sin into their lives, and they baby it, and they make it like a really comfortable place to stay, and they make it something that they like, and they make it something that they keep around, and I'm astounded by the number of Christians who are just really willing to argue for their right to sin. Just argue and fight for it and say, well, God still loves me. That is correct. But I see things, you're going to think, now this isn't your age group who's wearing these shirts, okay? This is millennials, this is my generation, so don't be offended. But, you know, I see these shirts that say something like, you know, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. You know, pray with me, don't play with me. Or, you know, a little bit hood, a little bit holy. I'm like... Okay, stop trying to fight someone in the aisles of Target, you know, just drink your Starbucks and keep shopping, you're fine. And you guys aren't the ones wearing these t-shirts, but at the same time, there seems to be this big argument of, I love Jesus, and I can sin. I love Jesus, and I can cuss. I love Jesus, and I can party on the weekends. I love Jesus, and I can live with my boyfriend. I love Jesus... And I can get high when I'm stressed. And it's, it's just been disturbing to me to say, wow, like, yeah, you love Jesus. And, <laughs> and you're using him to justify the thing that sent him to the cross. You love Jesus. And because he loves you, you're saying, it is okay that I do this thing that hurts me because Jesus loves me. And I want to be clear, does Jesus love you if you cuss? Absolutely. Yeah, there's no argument there. Does Jesus love you if you live with your boyfriend? 
Yes, absolutely. Does Jesus love you if you killed a man last night? Yes, absolutely. So the debate is not about what Jesus loves. I'm fine with that part of it. But it's just the end of that that says, it is fine for me to do this because Jesus loves me. And it's really startling to see that Christians are more concerned with the sin in the world than the sin in the church. I don't know if you were on Facebook during the month of June, but that's like Christmas for Christians who want to go off about gay pride. They were fired up. The rainbow flags came out. The Christians came out. I mean, good night. Disaster. They want to be louder about the sin that's in the world than the sin that is in the church. You're not going to shut down the parades with your Facebook post, so take a seat. It's fine. And here's the thing. Sinners sin. I'm not mad at sinners for sinning. They have no power to stand against it. They don't recognize the destruction that it brings in their lives. They don't have an excuse. Now, I mean, maybe for like murder. We can all agree. I'm not going to give them a free pass on that one. But sinners sin. And I'm not shocked by that. I'm shocked by the Christians who are bold enough to talk about how much they enjoy sin. It's so odd to me. Christians are more concerned about the sin in the world than they are the sin in their own life. My second concern is that there are Christians, so many of them, who are just not interested in a Christian life. Do you understand that we could ask almost anyone on the street and say, hey, what are Christians supposed to do? And they would know, well, they're supposed to be loving. They're supposed to read their Bible. How many Christians are reading their Bible? Not a lot. Any rando on the street would say, yeah, Christians are, they're supposed to pray. What's one thing Christians do? They pray, right? But how many Christians are praying? How many Christians are praying? How many Christians are worshiping? How many Christians are attending church and serving and building the house of God? Christians are literally forsaking the fundamental, like, building blocks of Christianity. That's literally the basics of what we're supposed to do. The very basics that we are supposed to do, we've laid down to say, well, God loves me, so I can do what I want. And that's concerning, and it's shocking. Why are we seeing Christians who don't read their Bible? Why are we seeing Christians who don't forgive? My goodness, people love to fight for their right to stay angry and stay in hatred towards people. God, Jesus was literally on the cross with people who had tortured him abused him, embarrassed him, and killed him. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I feel like they did know what they're doing. So <laughs> if I was up there, I would have been like, Lord, see what they're doing to me? And it seems like they knew what they were doing. But Jesus said, no, Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing because sinners don't know. They're sinning. It's all they know to do. Christians know better, so why are we justifying it? And in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, it's a little bit of a longer passage, so hang in here with me, but I think it paints a picture of the world that we're living in. It says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. People will love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They'll be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They'll be cruel and they'll hate what's good. They'll betray their friends and be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and they will love pleasure rather than God. 
They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Hello, church. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Why? Because of all those sins that were just listed. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that would make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Stay away from people like that. I want to say this to you today. I see a lot of miserable Christians. I see a lot of people who are Christians, and they are not doing any better than the whole rest of the world. They're Christians, and it makes no difference. They're Christians, and they're not living differently. They're Christians, and they're suffering with depression and anxiety the same way as everyone else. They're Christians, and they are just a disaster like everybody else, and they're miserable. You want to talk to them about reading their Bible, and they're just like, I don't know. I try, but I, I just don't like it. I just can't get into it. You want to talk to them about prayer, and they're like, I don't know. I try, but then I just start thinking about a lot of other things, you know, and so I quit. They're miserable Christians, and I want to challenge you to say, Christians who are living without God's power will be miserable. You are living knowing that you're loved by God and loving God, but living with no power. That's where this is coming from, this title, here as in heaven. Jesus' death and the fact that you could be saved and become part of God's family and become a Christian, that's not just for the afterlife. That is for this life to give you power right now. So if you don't really like church that much, I'm going to challenge you. It's because you're living without power. You are keeping sin in your life and it is rejecting the power of God. If you don't enjoy reading your Bible, if you don't get excited when you hear worship music, I want to challenge you. It's because you have a form of godliness because you're saved, but you are rejecting the power of God with the sin that you keep around in your life like a pet. Morgan loves me. She really does. I really do. If you generally don't enjoy church, I believe it's because there's, number one, sin in your life. Or number two, you're not doing the basic things that a Christian should do to know God. Read your Bible, pray, worship. It's easy. So this morning, I'm asking these questions. Why are we arguing about what we can and can't do? The Bible is very clear. Why are we defending things that the Word of God condemns? Why are we fighting for our right to sin? Why are we defending things that the Word of God tells us don't touch? There is a better way to live, and that's what I want to talk about today. This title came from Jesus' prayer in Matthew 6. He said, our Father who art in heaven, or who does art in heaven, like that one little kid got mixed up, hallowed be thy name, or holy is your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what I want to challenge us today, that we would live on earth as it is in heaven. And I'll get to this later, but I'm tired of Christians tolerating behavior on earth that they won't have in heaven. Will you watch porn in heaven? No. no. Why are you doing it on the earth? Will you sleep with your boyfriend in heaven? No, you won't. So why are you doing it on earth? Will you smoke pot in heaven? No, you won't. So why are you doing it on the earth? And I'm not criticizing you today, but I'm saying there's a better way to live. Sinners sin because they have no power not to. But the same is not true for you. The same is not true for you. You have everything in you that you need through the power of the Holy Spirit to live a sinless life, to live a holy life, and to see heaven here on the earth. 
and we are acting like God is asleep and like he's not moving in the earth and it's simply because he can't find a place to. I can't be a preacher up here who did things last night that God tells me not to do and show up and expect his power to move and heal you today. It doesn't work like that because a holy God and sin cannot mix. It is not God's judgment on the world. It is the church's sin that is preventing him from moving in the way that he desires to. So when we feel frustrated at God's lack of movement and lack of manifestation, we should search our own heart to say, what am I doing that is rejecting his power? So there's a couple of things I want you to understand today. Three points, three things I want you to understand. The first is that you need to know and understand that God is holy. You need to know and understand that God is holy. And in Psalms 96, 9, it says this. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble in submissive wonder before him all the earth. And I think that we have lost this sense of trembling before a holy God. Not because we're scared, but because he is so powerful and so holy, I don't want to stand in his presence with sin. He is gracious and kind enough to let me come to him no matter what state I'm in, <laughs> no matter what I did last night. But I'm tired of showing up to church services where the breaks are on the whole time because you can tell people have not talked to God all week. You can tell people haven't lifted their hands in worship all week. You can tell people haven't read their Bible all week. And so I want to remind you today, listen, God is holy. And this truth that I've been struck by for a few months now is that Jesus died so that you can experience God's presence without dying. Jesus died so that you could experience God's presence without dying. And I mean that very literally. We see in the Old Testament there were only select people who were allowed to be in the presence of God because if other people stepped into God's presence, it would kill them. Literally, they would drop dead. So there were priests who were allowed to go into the Holy of Holies, which was the part of the temple where God's presence resided. The priest had to go in alone, but they would tie a rope and bells around the priest so that when they stepped into the Holy of Holies, if things weren't right and they dropped dead, they would hear that the bells stopped moving and stopped dinging, and they would drag the person out with the rope. God's presence literally killed humans. Not because God is judgmental. God wasn't killing people. But when they stepped into his presence with sin, their body couldn't handle it. When they stepped into the presence of a holy God and brought sin into the room, they couldn't handle it. So God was protecting his people by saying, you can't all come into my presence. I love you, but I can only allow certain people to experience my presence. I can only speak to certain people. It says that Abraham was a friend of God, and when he asked God, can I see your face? And, and he was a prophet, so God spoke to him. He had a relationship and a friendship with God. But when he said, God, can I see your face? God said, no, I'm going to cover your face as I pass, otherwise you would die. That is the power of sin. When sin and holiness come to, into contact with each other, you're not going to come out on top. So it's striking to think that way, though. It's very jarring to see that God's people could not experience his presence. In the Old Testament, God's presence would take your life. But because of what Jesus did, God's presence gives us life. Yeah. 
Let's not let that be lost on us, that even though we have sinned, even though we're not perfect because of the blood of Jesus, we can safely step into God's presence and receive because there were thousands of people who loved God and did not experience that in this lifetime. They had to wait till heaven to experience God's presence. But I want to also remind you of this. It seems to me that the American church has been so focused on God's love that we've forgotten his holiness. It's not one over the other. It's both at the same time. But that, what do we hear all the time? God loves us. God loves us. God loves us. God loves us. And he does. We could say it all day, and it would be true all day. God loves us. But God is a holy God. He is sinless. He is spotless. He is perfect, and he is powerful. I wanted to say this today. This is a little funny, but I was thinking this when I was praying this morning. The American church has made God like the cool mom. The cool mom from Mean Girls. Don't watch it, okay? I watched it when I was young. It's inappropriate. I'm not recommending it to you. Don't tell your parents I told you to watch it, okay? But the cool mom in Mean Girls is like, listen, if you're going to drink, I would rather you do it at home, okay? So just help yourself to whatever's in the fridge. That's what, that's what people think God is. Hey, I love you, so like, it's okay. It's okay. Just, just be safe. Be wise. You know, come to church on Sunday and worship me. It's okay. The mom who's like, yeah, you guys can have sex. Just use protection. <laughs> people treat God like he's like that. Like, God loves me. He loves me no matter what. You know, it doesn't matter what I did last night. He loves me. He does, but he's not a cool mom. He's a holy God. <laughs> he is a holy God. He is perfectly loving, but he is perfectly holy as well. He's not just a loving God. He's a holy God. And I heard this story a couple months ago, and I I just keep thinking about it. This was before your guys' time and mine too, so I don't remember the name of the fella. But there was a guy who was uh, what they used to call a televangelist. That meant he was like a famous TV preacher, okay? This was in the 80s, so no social media. I think people listened to the radio a lot still then. I'm not sure, but... Uh, he was a famous TV preacher who had a really large ministry. Well, he got caught um, for several things. He got caught with prostitutes. He had like a, a mail fraud scheme or something like that. But it was big enough he went to federal prison. It was a big deal. Uh, he had scammed a lot of people. And so the person telling the story was a younger preacher who had been contacted by this man to come visit him in prison. And this was after he had been there for several years. So the younger pastor goes in to talk to this guy. And the guy said, listen, I want to tell you, it was not God's judgment that sent me to prison. It was his mercy that sent me to prison because I was, I was getting in trouble and I was getting to a dangerous place. So as they were talking, the younger preacher asked him, like, well, at what point did you stop loving God? And the man said, I didn't. And the, guy, the younger guy said, no, you, you're not understanding. Like, you had this amazing ministry and God gave you such a platform and you were famous And, you know, but at what point, like, did your love for him change for you to start doing these terrible things? And the older pastor said, listen, my love for God never changed. I loved him all the way through it. I never stopped loving God, but I stopped fearing God. And through God's mercy, I was able to give a chance to repent. I came to this prison And I was able to talk to God and find that holiness again and find that love for him again. So it's, I want to just challenge you, we love God. I believe you when you say that you love God. But I want to challenge us this morning, let's fear God. And that is not talking about being scared, but it's talking about, like that verse said, trembling in awe of the fact that he is a holy 
powerful, pure, clean, spotless God. His power and his mercy are equally strong. And I would say this too, it's his holiness that makes his love what it is, right? You know people that love you but have hurt you. You know people that love you but that you don't trust, right? I love them, but I don't trust them. I love them, but I don't let them speak into my life. I love them, but like from a distance, right? We can trust God because he is so holy. His love is perfect because he is holy. He can't sin. He can't lie. He can't do any wrong. His holiness is actually what makes his love the powerful force that it is. And because he is holy, we can trust him. So I want to say if we really want to see heaven on earth, we need to respond to God on earth as we will in heaven. And it's interesting to see that the angels that fly around the throne of God do not say, oh, he's loving, he's loving, he's loving, he's merciful, he's graceful, he's kind. All those things are true, but when they look upon the face of God, they fly and they say, he's holy, he's holy, he's holy, he's holy, he's holy. As if looking at God, that is the only thing you could say is that he is holy that he's holy. So let's respond to him on earth as they do in heaven to say he is holy. The second thing I want you to understand today, that was the shortest cry in a sermon I've ever had. Do you guys feel proud? If you've been here before, it's usually a little bit more like, he's, he's holy. He's holy. So I'm getting better at holding it together. <laughs> the second thing is you need to know and understand that as a Christian, you're called to live a holy life. You need to know and understand that as a Christian, you're called to live a holy life. So God is holy and we're called to be holy. I'll read two verses back to back here. Leviticus 27, 20, sorry, chapter 20, verse 7, not 27, uh, says this in the message. Set yourselves apart for a holy life. Live a holy life because I am God, your God. Do what I tell you and live the way that I tell you because I am the God who makes you holy. In Hebrews 12, 14, it says something uh, that piggybacks off of that. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. Work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. So I'm reminding us today, we can't live a life without God loving us. It's impossible. But we can live a life without knowing God. We can live a life apart from God's power. And we can live a miserable Christian life even though God loves us because we neglect to remember that we're called to work at living a holy life. And I want to say this today. Stop settling for being loved by God. We are so caught up in the fact that we are loved by God that we just stay stuck there without actually pursuing him to know him and experience him. That's great that you're loved by God, but you honestly don't know what that means if you don't know him and experience him. The fact that you're loved by God will actually mean very little if you don't pursue his presence and experience the power of a holy God. That is what jars us into living differently is realizing we stand in the presence of a holy God and experience his power. And it's because he loves us, but if you just settle for being loved, you'll miss the rest of it and you won't enjoy your Christian life very much. 
You will be depressed like everyone else. And I'm not criticizing you for struggling. Hear me on that. But we just settle for being loved by God. And the knowledge of his love alone doesn't break things off of us like experiencing his power does. And like pursuing his presence does. I can receive anything in the presence of God, but I've got to get there first. I've got to put the time in. I've got to put the devotion in. I have to go down that path of devotion to get to the power where I find freedom. Being loved is great. Being free is better. Being loved is great. Being free is more fun. (laughs) It is a better life. So I am not criticizing you for your sin, but I'm saying everything that you want for your life is on the other side of holiness. I promise. Perfect peace, it's found in living a holy life. Perfect joy and happiness, it's found in living a holy life. So go beyond being loved and step into holiness. The life you are dreaming of is on the other side of your decision to live a holy life, a life without sin. I promise you, I promise you, this has been so true in my own life. I have never been happier or maybe had less than I do right now. (laughs) Not literally, I'm doing fine, I'm doing fine. But there's some things in my life that people could say like, do you want this, do you want that? And I'd be like, yes, we'll get it one day, it's no biggie. But living holy, man, it just makes life so great and so fun and so full of peace. So don't settle just for being loved. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis, he says, how little people know who think that holiness is dull, when one meets the real thing, it's irresistible. How little people know who think that holiness is dull. When one meets the real thing, it's irresistible. Holiness is what allows us to live a life that's full of heaven on the earth. And it's possible. Jesus wouldn't have prayed it if we couldn't have it. So it is possible. How little people know who think that holiness is dull. So understand, God is not trying to take your fun away. He's trying to remove the things from your life that hurt you, the things that are damaging you, the things that are um, feeding your anxiety and depression, the things that are feeding the issues in your life. Holiness is irresistible when one meets the real thing. And again, I want to be really clear today. I'm not saying this to criticize you or to promote legalism whatsoever, but I want to shake you into seeing that you're just designed to live a life that is so much more than what we've settled for. Being a Christian does not just mean like having a Bible verse in your bio and, you know, going to a church. It really doesn't. Being a Christian is so much more than just loving God. It is experiencing the power and the presence of a holy God so that we can then minister to other people. I'm so stirred the last few years by just this desire to see God's power because the world is so steeped in darkness. uh, They just, they can't get out without an encounter with God's presence. You guys know when we get in these prayer lines and the power of God hits you, you get up off the floor and you're different. It doesn't mean everything is fixed in life. It doesn't mean, you know, you're good to go forever. There's things we need to do on our side to stay free. But at the same time, there's things that just need to be broken off of people. They can't help themselves out of it. They can't get enough therapy to overcome it. They can't medicate themselves out of it. And I'm not criticizing those things, and I don't blame people for wanting to do those things. Listen, if you don't really have a real relationship with God, 
If you're not experiencing his power, I understand why people are looking for peace in everything that they can. I'm really not criticizing you uh, for being tempted to do things that you think will bring you peace. I'm just here to say they won't bring you peace, and there's an easier way to live at the level that you were called to, and it's through holiness. You can live a life that is filled with the power and the presence of God, and that is what will break those things off of our life and off of the world. The third thing I want you to know and understand is that you can capital C, capital A, capital N. You can live a life free from sin. You can live a life free from sin. Say, Morgan loves me. She really does. I do. I really do. You can understand, or excuse me, you need to understand you can live a life free from sin. So many people are saying, I'm trying, but I can't quit. Right? I'm trying, but I just can't seem to get it. I'm trying, but I just, I can't hear God's voice. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And I'm not criticizing you for saying that because there have been times in my life where I felt the same way. Well, I'm so depressed, I don't feel like I can get out of this, right? I'm so anxious, I don't feel like I can do this. I'm so this that I don't feel like I can do what's right. I don't feel like I can read my Bible. And I want to challenge you to today to realize that's a lie. You're going to feel like that's true. Your mind is going to tell you it's true. The devil is going to tell you that it's true. You can't be free from sin. It's impossible to live a life that's holy. I'm telling you it is possible. You can live free from sin. And as soon as I began to believe and say, I can, then I was able to step out of that stuff. And it was, it was easy. It took time, but it wasn't easy. I just had to be consistent. And here's the difference. This world is full of people who are saying, I can't seem to stop doing this, right? I can't seem to get over this. I can't, I can't get better. I can't this. I can't that. And here's the truth. They can't. They do not have the power of the Holy Spirit. They don't have access to the help that comes from knowing God. So that is true. They can't get out of that. But the same is not true for you. Because you have the Holy Spirit that is living in you, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And you are just going to have to get bold with yourself and shake yourself and step outside your own thoughts and say, I can be free. It doesn't matter how long I've struggled. It doesn't matter how long I've had this issue. It's a lie to say that I can't. Do you want to know how the Holy Spirit got on my case probably like a month ago or something? I was talking to somebody about something, and I don't even, I like don't remember the context, but I sure remember what he said. It was spicy. I said, I said out loud to someone, listen, I'm doing the best that I can. And the Holy Ghost literally immediately said, are you? I, what was I basically saying? I can't help it. And the Holy Ghost said, oh, really? Oh, you're, do, you're doing the best you can? If you were doing the best you could, you wouldn't be struggling like this, dear. You just don't feel like dealing with it because you're kind of tired right now. You just kind of got tired of dealing with it, and you kind of got tired of trying to overcome your anxiety, so now you're just letting it grow because you're like, you just don't feel like dealing with it right now. No, I wasn't doing my best. I needed to pick up the Word of God and deal with that issue, and when I did, it was resolved like within a couple of days. 
It's easier than you think, people. You just have to do it. <laughs> you just have to shake yourself with the truth of the Word of God that says, I can do all things. Stop saying that you're not able to do something. Stop acting like you're powerless against sin. It is not true. It is not true. This is what Jude 124 says. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling or falling into sin. That is very clear. Unto Jesus, unto a powerful holy God who is able to keep you from stumbling or falling into sin and present you unblemished, blameless, and faultless in the presence of his glory with triumphant joy and unspeakable delight. That's what holiness will bring into your life. Unthinkable joy and unspeakable delight because he is able to keep you from stumbling or falling into sin, period. Don't try to argue with me on this one. Pray with me, don't play with me. <laughs> he is able to keep you from falling or stumbling into sin. It is possible, so stop saying you can't. Stop giving yourself an excuse just because you like that sin and you don't feel like dealing with it. You are sacrificing so much for so little. You're sacrificing so much for so little. The shocking thing is, even though the Holy Spirit lives in you and you have the power to overcome anything and everything, most Christians do not believe that. You know who does? The devil and all his demons. Do you realize that they were there? They saw Jesus come to hell. They saw him die and descend to hell. And then they were there when he burst out and stepped out with the keys to hand them to you. They know exactly what kind of power you have. That's why they're always in their, your ear being like, you can't, you can't, blah, 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 blah. Stop being so gullible. Jesus literally left hell with the keys to hand them to you and say, I am able to keep you faultless and blameless. I'll keep you from stumbling. Philippians 2 says this in verses 12 and 13. Dear friends... You always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Listen, verse 13. For God is working in you. He's doing two things. He's giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You have no idea how many times I've prayed this. Father, I thank you for giving me right now the desire and the strength to do what's right. Because that's the reality. We don't always feel like doing what's right. You don't. I don't. It's all of us. Okay? It doesn't really matter. God is able to keep me from stumbling. And I can pray at any point and say, God, I'm bringing your word to you that says you will give me the desire. You'll change what I want because I'm asking you to. And you will give me the power to do what pleases you. I pray this all the time so it is possible and you can live free from sin because God is saying listen I can keep you from stumbling I'll give you the desire I'll change what you want just get close to me find that power don't live a life of sin and settle for just being loved by God but rejecting the power that power is what will enable you to not sin give me the desire and the power to do what pleases you and I want to challenge us to say our lives should look strikingly different from the world. And I'm shaken by how they don't. The church looks just like the world. The way we deal with anxiety and depression should be different. The way we react to bad news should be different. The way we 
react when we are mistreated should be different. The way we approach everything should be different. And I want to challenge you today. Uh, I've said that like 17 times. Do you feel challenged? Okay. Say, Morgan loves me. She really does. I want to see you guys live the life that God has called you to. And here's the thing. I think that the move of God that he wants to bring on the earth, it takes every one of us. It's not about the pastors. It's not about the ministers. It's not about the preachers and the people with the microphone. It's about people laying hands on their coworker. And it's about students praying with people at school. And it's about people showing up to work or to school or wherever they're at in life with the power of God to bring freedom right then and there. You are the minister. You are the preacher. The Bible says that. Hey, we are all called to preach the gospel. We are all ministers of the power of God. So listen to me today. If you think your life is fun with porn, you just have no idea how much fun it will be without it. You don't even know the fun that is in holiness. If you think your life is fun dating the wrong person, you don't know how much fun freedom is when you're with the right person. If you think your life is fine even though you hate that person who did that to you, just wait until you taste the freedom of forgiveness. My goodness. That's like my favorite thing that God has ever helped me with is forgiveness. I feel so good because I go to bed at night and I'm not mad. I feel so good when I'm not mad. I feel so good when I forgive. And you know what? It is powerful to say, you can't hurt me because I'll just forgive you, dear. There is healing for me in forgiveness. You can say what you want to me. You can do what you want. And it might hurt. But as soon as I make the decision to forgive, boom, there's healing for me. So I can go through life being unharmed and unscarred by what other people do to me. And there's freedom in that. It doesn't matter what situation you're in. It doesn't matter what your parents did to you. And I'm not making light of things that were hard or wrong or abusive or traumatic. I'm not. But I'm saying your situation doesn't have to change for you to be free and healed. It's in forgiveness. And I'm so grateful for that. But that's another thing the church has just sat down and said, well, you know, that just, oh, that just makes me mad. That just irritates me. I just can't get over why they would have done that. Well, I don't know why they did that, but I also don't know why you won't be healed. Come on. It's, it's fun to be healed. It's funner to be free. And that is what it will take to live a life that looks like heaven on earth. It is possible to live the life that God has called you to. It is so possible, and it's easier than you think. It's just a decision to live holy. And pray those prayers that say, God, I thank you. You keep me from falling. You keep me from stumbling. You keep me from making mistakes because I'm listening to you. I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. You give me the desire and the power to do what is right. And when we do that, we'll see that it can be on earth as it is in heaven, just like Jesus prayed. So I'm going to invite the worship team to join me today. And I do want to pray for you. But before I do, I'm going to let you know this is just the beginning. I love what Amzie said, a prayer line, it's not a magic trick. We don't wave a freedom wand over you, and then everything is different, right? Boom, you just go home and you're perfect because I prayed for you. It doesn't work that way. Prayer lines are powerful. I'm not diminishing their significance or their importance. I love them. But it's just the beginning for you. I want to challenge you to go home and go down that path of devotion. Do what you've been hearing. We've heard so much of this camp about being accountable, which I love. 
Find somebody that you trust and talk to them. And then how about we just start acting like Christians and doing the things Christians are supposed to do. If you don't read your Bible, start reading your Bible. If you don't pray, start talking to God. If you don't worship, then start worshiping. It's easy. We just need to do what we know to do. Too many of us are just acting confused, being like, oh, I don't know why this is so hard. Well, dear, you're not doing what you know to do. You're not doing the easy things that bring freedom every day. So, again, I am going to pray for you. And something powerful is going to happen. And I believe that you'll be free today, but I want you to remember that that is step one and you need to keep going down that path of devotion. So if this morning you feel like there's something that you've said, like I was talking about, I can't stop this or I can't get over this or something that you just need freedom from, then I would like to pray for you this morning. And if you've already been in other prayer lines and you feel like you don't need it, that's great. Or if you've been in other prayer lines and you want to come again, that's also great. So we'll worship for just a minute, but you all can go ahead and stand. And if you feel like that speaks to you, just come on down. Thanks for listening to this message. To learn more about what's happening at The Quarry, check us out on social media 